And now I'm going to share my audio. Oh, actually, you know what? Before I do that, just kidding. How do I not share? Just kidding. I'm going to do this first. That'll actually be better for you, Mason, if I record this and then share. The show, by the way. Don't keep this in the show, you fucking freak. Okay, you guys ready to hear the stupidest one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I saw oh just kidding came in a little earlier on that one whoops I saw her today at the reception head by the floor ass in the air I knew she was trying to pass flagellation, grunting and pushing without a care. You can't always fart when you want. You can't always fart when you want. You can't always fart when you want. But if you time it right, you just might fart when you pee. Oh, yeah. A lot more where this came from, so strap it. I went down in an elevator to do my fair share of abuse. I pushed so damn hard, a real class traitor. No fart was heard, but I dropped the deuce. And I said to them, no, you can't always fart when you want. You can't always fart when you want. You can't always fart when you want. But if you time it right, just my fart when you pee. I went down to the Chinese theater to take a pick with Deadpool. I had one built up for later. But when I tried, I looked like a fool. He said, Sonny, stop pushing so goddamn hard. You'll give yourself a bruise. I said, how do you know the ways of doing farting? He took off the mask and it was Tom Cruise. And I said to him, no, you can't. Always fart when you want. You can't always fart when you want. You can't always fart when you want. But if you time it right, you just might fart when you pee.
Let's do it. I saw her today down by the green grass. By her ass was a desperate man. He was sucking up all of her fart gas. And on his name tag it said Mason M. And I said to him, no, you can't always fart when you want. Before we started recording, I did tell you that, um, you know, I was going to call the police and send you to jail, but I allowed you to do one more parody song. And I got to say, for your last parody as a free man, you really went out on top. So uh, the police are outside your apartment right now. They're here to take you away. Um, They're here to arrest the Joker of Los Angeles himself. Uh, Well, I can't say it's been fun, (laughs) but I can say it's been a long, strange trip. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm okay. gonna go outside, and I'm gonna fucking awesome. I'm gonna fart on the cops. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, wow. How does that? You really feel? did. Uh, it feels it's if I I feel nice and loose and silly right now, uh, uh, which is which is awesome. So thank you for that, Chef. I feel in the right spot to do the show now. Yeah, because before you were, before you were just slamming your head against the wall, going, "God fucking damn it, God fucking damn yeah. it, I hate this shit." Yeah, yeah, I really was. I was. I was. That's my pre-show ritual. Um, it's just yeah. to slam my head against the the wall against the desk. But um, thank you for that, Chef. How's your week been? Well, I'm not going to answer that question real quick because I want to bring something else up. So sorry. Um, okay. I think that okay. this song really stems from the idea that. Sometimes you're like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, some, ooh, got to go to the bathroom. And so mm-hmm. you run, run, run to the bathroom. Hopefully you're in a public place, too, because it works better if you're at yeah. a public place. And you realize, oh, I didn't actually have to go to the bathroom. I just had to do the, long, <laughs> the longest part of my entire life standing yeah. at the urinal. Does that ever happen yeah. to you? Uh, no, here, I have kind oh, of been on a okay. sit, I have kind of been on a sit when I pee kick lately. It's really just how I like right. to kind of, you know, take my time and do that. So if, okay. if it does need, if a fart does need to come out, it feels like it can just go right into the bowl and echo out, you know, like, like how God intended it to happen. Just sort of like rumbling around in the bowl, like, when it sort of echoes out, like you're like an IMAX or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's like fart uh, in IMAX. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dune, <laughs> we, Dune fart too. <laughs> we should put, we should put this this podcast in IMAX. That's what I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> we should. I think we so. should be. We should be doing IMAX shit with this show. I think. 
Agreed. I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That was actually in my in my 2022 goals is to make the first IMAX exclusive podcast. It would be cool. We can charge like a hundred thousand dollars per ticket to go to do it. <laughs> yeah. And we can pay off Chase and Buttigieg's student loans. I don't know if that joke. Will <sighs> be. Poor I guy. Don't know if that joke really... is going to be topical when this comes out, but it's topical today. So. Yeah. 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 It. It is. I. I did see that get posted and I was just like, Oh my God, poor, poor Chasten, poor Chasten Budegag. For a lot Budege. of reasons, but that reason specifically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a man of the Mason, people. Mr. Chasten is what's up to answer your question though. Uh, been kind of a weird week, but we're here doing the show like we do every Sunday. Yeah. And that's how I like, I, this is how I like to end my week is by doing this show. Some yeah. people say this is how they'd like to start their week. It's not the start of the week. It's the end of the week. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's you. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that Sunday is definitely an end of the week day. You know, absolutely. Uh, it was. It's kind of weird that like when you were, like when I was growing up and learning, you know, being like five or six or right. however old you are when you first learn the days of the week and the calendar starts on Sunday and you're like, this is crazy. I don't. What do I do on Sunday except have my parents wake me up super early and we drive twenty minutes out of our way to go to church. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And then you're in, and yeah. In your times, you didn't even have cars. You had to walk all that way because you're we so did. fucking old. Because you're so yeah, old. We, yeah. <laughs> he did the bit. Our guest is giving us giving me finger guns, shooting me, dual and making me older. Dual finger guns. We got dual, dual fucking finger guns. finger guns happening in the zoo right now. God damn! I'm turning Rip Van Winkle in here. My my beard is getting longer. My my features are getting more wrinkled. I'm getting more gray. What was it like, Mason, when you took your first ride in the Model T? Just kidding. Uh, well, I, I flipped it over the first time I, I drove a Model T. Um, yeah, it, it, it's really car technology has come a long way. Now I kind of have to go out of my way to flip a car over. But that doesn't stop you from driving under the influence. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Driving under the flatulence, more like. <laughs> Driving uh, under the flatulence, yep. That's what we do on this show. We get all farted up <laughs> and ready to podcast. All right, that's enough. Mason, did you have a good week, yeah. though? Did you have an okay week otherwise, besides the fact that you flipped a bunch of cars? I also had a weird week. Um, yeah. Uh, recent listeners of the show, people that have been following the journeys, uh, know that I have been working at a temp assignment that was supposed to go through the end of the year. And then on Wednesday, I'm minding my business doing the job. And they say, we don't need you anymore. And so now I am unemployed again. Hey, and yeah, wouldn't yeah. you know it, wouldn't you know it, that kind of throws you for a motherfucking loop. Because you know what I still need to do? A lot of Christmas shopping. And you know what sure. you need to do, 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 need to do to do Christmas shopping? Money. You need money? I'm trying, not to let, I'm trying not to let it bring me down. I am, um, uh, I will say this though, you know, Noah, you know this, listeners do not know this, but I saw actually on Friday night, so two days after that happened, uh, my buddy hit me up, get an extra ticket, and I went to see the band Whitney perform at Sleeping yes. Village. Yo, 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 yeah. yo. What was, they played some ha- new music. Oh, um, yes, okay, let's go. Some stuff that I, th- uh, I think and I hope we'll get kind of worked to a com- to a point where it feels complete by the time this their new album comes out in summer is what they said. Love that. Um, 
I had a good time at the show. I'm very grateful that I was able to go out on Friday night. Otherwise, it would have just been me probably going to the Regal and seeing a movie for free by myself. Nice. Uh, And uh, it was cool to be in a room where people were singing along to Whitney's songs. But there's just still something there that I cannot... I can't. We're going to go ahead and introduce. Welcome to It's on the List is the podcast about underrated media, uh, music, and Uh, I'm I'm cutting you off before you can slander my band that I love Uh so much. I'm cutting you off. You're a cutoff, Mason, by the way. Go ahead. You're right to do this. You're right to do this. I'm right. This is my right as the co host of this show and the one who does the drops. I'm the one who does the drops. (laughs) Welcome to It's on the List is the podcast about underrated music, albums, movies, a whole lot more, doing farting, peeing, going to see Whitney. That's what this podcast is about. And they're one of the best bands out there. So no reason to even say something about them that would not be congratulatory or flattering, I would say. There's no reason to do it. Sorry. We're going to introduce strokes. the guest now. Nope, we're going to introduce the guest now. We're done talking about that. Uh, <laughs> we're done We're done talking about that right now. She's been patiently waiting. You've heard her actually already because we t- kept her waiting for too long. I respect it. I respect the just shut the fuck up and introduce me type shit. Mason, are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Our guest today is an actor, dancer, and singer who recently completed a limited engagement stint of Spamilton at the Kravitz Center in West Palm Beach, Florida. I can be seen currently off-Broadway in The Office, a musical parody. You've heard her before. She's back. Please welcome back Marissa Hecker. What's up, Marissa? Whoa. Brought it back. We're doing double drops today. (laughs) I'm obsessed with your drops and your plops, Chef. Oh, my shits. My little shits. You're obsessed with my little tiny shits. That's tiny shits. I was going to say a double drop is usually what Noah does in the bathroom. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I did it today. Well, you know what was so fun about today? (laughs) You know what was so fun about today? today. (laughs) I went to Red Robin right before we recorded the episode. My boy's got it. Is that a Diet Coke you got there? Yep, that is Diet Coke. And guess what? I got to go so fucking far out of my way to get to this Red Robin. And I said, if I don't do it today, I'm not going to be able to do it until probably the end of the year because of how my schedule is. And guess what? Mm -hmm. It it wasn't fucking worth it. It was not fucking worth it. That's too bad. (laughs) It's really too bad when a trip to your favorite restaurant is not worth it. Marissa Hecker, do you have any experience in that department? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I so this isn't my favorite restaurant, but I this is comparable. I was in uh, Philly, and I was obsessed with this place called Permonti Brothers that I had gone to a couple years. Oh, right. I was like. Yeah. I was like, this place is so good. Like, we're going to go. This was like a, you know, a day trip or whatever to audition when I was in college. So I dragged my friends there out of the way to Permonti Brothers. And <laughs> not only was the food just so mid, yeah. it like exploded in the, um, the, the driver's like cup holders. So there was all this like, all these like fries and like coleslaw in the cup holder. And everyone was really mad at me. Oh no! <laughs> and then you were like, "I got it, don't worry." And you fucking mouthed, you mouthed the cup holder, just vacuumed that shit up. up. Yeah, like it up. Oh, yeah. like Nunu. It's all about the the Nunu. Um, Do you know about Nunu? Do you actually know about Nunu? Well, I know why did they erase her Nunu when the meme? And then, do you remember that? Did I nope. say that? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Sorry. 
That's okay. But yeah, that's my experience with going to a restaurant that I thought was super good and having just an awful experience. Well, here's the other thing. Since we've had you on last, a lot's happened since we had you on last because that was like fucking September of last year. A whole fucking shitload has happened. (laughs) But maybe the most important thing that's happened is you went to Cracker Barrel a few times since we saw you last. Right? Oh, hell, hell right. That's the hell best. Right. So good. Thomas and I went, Thomas went five times in his three or four days he was in Florida, and I went four messed times. Up. That's yeah, the real so chef special up. there. I just cannot believe the affordability, first of all. I mean, everything yes. is like yeah. $10 or less. Everything is gourmet. You know, it comes out, and you're like, this is yeah. the best thing I've ever fucking tasted. Right, of course. And everything's just, you know, smothered in butter and... The best part is that I mean the nostalgia and the antiquity of the the gift shop is just Absolutely. so cool. Mm-hmm. I mean Thomas and I were having a fucking ball to be honest. Did you pick up anything from the gift shop when you went? Um, we oh fuck! I I literally had it. I was gonna bring it down. I have a Cracker Barrel hat from the gift oh! shop. <laughs> Let's fucking go! Literally, yeah. yeah. I yeah. was gonna bring it down, but yeah, I got a hat. Thomas got a shirt. We had to get merch. <laughs> We yes. had to. Thomas got a shirt. Thomas got a shirt and wore it to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Fucking freak. Sorry. The freakiest. Thomas. He's the freak. But I love him in a way. You know, in a freaky way. In a way. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> in a way. I also love him in, in a, a way. way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I also love him in a way. But I was told, and maybe this was incorrect, but I was told there were no games out on the tables. At this location. That's fucked. No games. It was, it was extremely fucked. We were so bored waiting for our food. We were basically right. slitting our wrists. Like, it was just so boring. Right. Yes. Damn. I've always... I always do that when I'm bored, by the way. <laughs> so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me. Yeah, that makes sense to me. You ever try, uh, I don't know, jerking off instead? Yeah. Well, I, I do that... Great alternative. I, I do that when I'm excited. I'm like, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yes, when I'm bored, I'm like, well, I gotta die. I gotta kill myself <laughs> if I'm bored for one second instead. <laughs> Relatable. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so that's, yeah, so we're loving it, folks. Love. We're loving it. <laughs> so we're loving it. We are loving it. What else it. has been going on, though, Marissa, in the time since, you, since we had you on last? What else has been fucking going on? God, was Matinee actually last September, like September 2020? Yes, no. it was. Yeah. You're yep. joking. It. I would never joke about something like that, personally. That, Mason to might. me, is actually makes me want to throw up. Like, the fact that I feel like it was maybe this year, maybe like a few months ago. Well, you're wrong. You're fucking dead I'm, wrong. Marissa, how is, wrong. Being in, how is being on the stage again post, yes. uh, post-COVID, post-not clarity? How is being on the stage? <laughs> Post-COVID clarity, yeah. No, it's been great. So I've been in the office since April, since late March, actually, of this year. And, yeah, I guess when I, I was back in New York starting in January because I was like, I don't know what the fuck else to do. I can't be I can't do 2020 over again at my house yep. in Florida. So yep. I just decided to do it in New York, which is worse. But at least it makes <laughs> me feel more responsible, you know. And uh, I was in New York depressed as fuck and then I get this audition by my agent and I was like okay this is cool this seems like up my alley and then I book the understudy role which is arguably the best position you one can have in a show is being understudy being a swing is like you're doing you know you're doing work but it's not like consistent work it's like you do a lot of work 
at the very beginning of the rehearsal process and then you just kind of kind of vibe for the rest of the time you do the show so i'm definitely in the vibing zone um it's been about seven months doing that and then i wasn't sure when spamilton was going to come back uh and then so we had this little brief stint in december just last week or two weeks ago i guess now but um other than that i've been working at a craft beer bar part-time Ooh, there we go Fucking love it. I've been a beer nerd. I don't know if you guys are into IPAs or whatnot. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> can't say can't say I am. But I'm not in but I'm not into beers at all because I'm actually I actually don't drink. So that's actually I'm it's by default I'm not into IPAs. But I know Mason likes to feel like he's got a whole loaf of bread in his stomach, right? <laughs> that's kind of what Mason yeah. likes. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. I'm uh I used to have uh as, like aspersions and pretensions that I liked the fancy beer. And every now and then, sometimes as a special treat, I will have a not uh gutter swill beer. <laughs> but really all I'm looking for is something that will keep me hydrated and keep me feeling nice and loosey goosey. I just want something that'll go nice with like a shot of beer. I'm a shot and beer kind of guy now. Mm. I have a there's a bar in my neighborhood that is a five dollar shot and beer combo. Oof, that's really kind of unbeatable. Yeah, shut them out. Um, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I'll shut them out. Why not? Cole's Bar. Uh, I went to Cole's Bar once, and you know who I saw there of all people? No, who? Disgraced. This is prior to his disgracement, but disgraced podcaster Virgil Texas. Wow. Holy yeah. shit! What was he? Was he there solo? I mean, maybe that's the wrong no. He had like a little, like kind of. He had like a little entourage around him, and I feel like the time when I saw him there, it was literally days before he was outed as a as a little freak, as a little sex Damn. freak. Um, it was so bizarre. Uh, but I like Cole's Bar. They have a good, a good open mic on Wednesdays. Um, a pretty unbeatable. Uh, shot and beer special. Just a good divey kind of place. Good place to hang out. Um, Some so would that's, argue that that's... this whole show's format is a shot and a beer. For real. Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. Marissa, you what? brought us to th- what? What? I'm just going to ask you a question. Okay. As is my right to do. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay, next. You brought us, it's not actually a question, it's a statement. You brought us two things. It's a statement, then a question. So, you brought us two things. Statement. Question. Would you like to preview the album? What album are we talking about today? The album we are talking about is The Hanging Gardens of Beatenburg by the band Beatenburg. Noe, have you, did actually, Mason or Noe, I'm curious to know, have you heard of this band or this album before I brought it to your attention? I will start us off, no. <laughs> I will, no to both. Can I, can I tag in? Can I tag in? Yes. No. <laughs> to both. <laughs> yes, bro. Yes, yes bro. <laughs> yes, bro. Cold turkey up in here, yeah. just going in. Yeah. So what's going um, on with this band and album then? Yeah, so I can't wait to hear your fast facts of the research that you have done because I've done very minimal research on this yeah. band and album. Um, what I know is purely emotional. Um, yes. This was, yes, this was a band that my good friend Dylan showed me in college. Shout out Dylan. And they sent me the, they sent me the title track, which is, or the, the track that's 
resembling the title called Prince of the Hanging Gardens. I think it's the last track or second to last track. And I was just like, whoa, this is so cool, so lush, different than anything I've heard. Reminded me a lot of early Vampire Weekend, which I also was a big fan of in high school. Um, So I was like, damn, like I really love this album. And so since I think that was maybe like 20, maybe like 2018, 2019. So I've had a pretty pretty close relationship with this album since then and I just love the band's sound and I think they're really unique hell yes dude hell yeah well, here, here's what I can say in regards to the band's sound I agree <laughs> <laughs> I agree no, no, can I tag in again can I tag in again yeah go for it Mason me too I yes! think that this band has a great sound they got a great Dope. sound we love that from yeah. them um this I was I'm not I was a little nervous to talk about this album, but not in the like, oh I'm gonna say something bad and then everyone's gonna get mad at me type of nervous. It was like, this is just like fun on the beach hanging out with your boys and everyone else music. That's what this is. Yeah. It's like you're chilling, you're cold, you're drink, you're flashing back a cold one, maybe a Golden mm-hmm. Road mango cart, maybe <laughs> good beer. Maybe, that is actually maybe, a good beer. A yeah, mango cart. Yes. Yeah, that's a real beer that used to be in a fridge in a house that I would go to very much. I'd be like, oh, they always got the mango cart in there. Congrats to you guys. Um, you must like it because it's always in your fridge. Cool. Very cool. Yes. Um, but this is just like fun. You know, this is just like we're hanging out on an island. We have we there ha- one. We're gonna get kicked off one by one. There's Jeff Probst yes. is there on the island with us. You know, Jeff it's Survivor. Probst. You know, this is Survivor shit. This is fun. Mason, what about you? I, I It's kind of like, I really, um, I like this kind of era and sound of like indie pop where it's sort of like, it, it's it's kind of taking the baton from like Graceland or Rhythm of the Saints era, Paul Simon, and really just creating a kind of um, scene and, and atmosphere and a kind of lush um, sort of uh, uh, ambience, I guess, for you to just like kind of vibe in for 45 minutes or, or for 50, 50 minutes in this particular case here. Um, really, like, it's, it's easy listening, but in the way that it just like kind of, t- it kind of like puts, it, it, it removes all of like your, your troubles or your problems that you may be feeling in your day-to-day life. Um, I started listening to this album like on Wednesday, like kind of when I was in a in a groove at that job that let me go where I was like, this is good. Like I'm grooving to this. Like this is really like I like just like having this on listening to this so that I can get this work done. I'm I'm moving. I'm grooving. I'm, I'm going side to side. I like what these I, I'm picking up what these boys are putting down. I just kind of like uh, even though like I am typing, type, type, typing away at this computer, like I feel like I'm type, type, typing away at a computer that's like in a palace in a in a in a jungle mm. or something. Uh, and then uh, my supervisor at this job like closes the door for the office I'm in and is like, "You did a great job, but we don't need you around anymore." And I was like, "Well, this fucking <laughs> sucks." And then <laughs> I listened to the album today earlier on the day of recording um, when I woke up and I was still like kind of in a funk. And I decided I was going to get out of my funk by re-listening to this album and walking to a place to get a breakfast sandwich. And that helped a little bit. And that helped. It did kind of get me out of the funk there. Um, Those are kind of like my thoughts on this. You know, I I think it's such a – Vampire Weekend I think is a very apt uh, comparison, especially around this point. It 
was kind of like the, the Cape Town, South Africa version of like modern vampires of the city. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just like kind of the bulk of my my thoughts on this this right now. It's just a really really nice fun album. I want to hear Marissa H's full thoughts on this, but before we do that, Mason, bacon, egg, and cheese with salt, pepper, ketchup, and Frank's Red Hot. Uh, I wish I went to this. Pl- <laughs> I went to this. Uh, no, I didn't. It wasn't a bad breakfast sandwich by any means. It was this uh, this other place in my neighborhood called uh, La Boulangerie, and they have a breakfast sandwich that's like ham, Swiss, and egg on a croissant. Uh, it's very flaky. It's very light. Um, but it's also very greasy and kind of made my hands a little, little, like I had to do a little kind of situation with my fingers because I didn't grab any napkins. But it was a good sandwich. It was called, find it's a better called place La, La Boulange Lingerie. La Boulangerie. <laughs> La Boulangerie. La Boulangerie. Uh, Mason, at a place like that, I thought maybe you'd be eating some pussy instead of eating hey. a breakfast sandwich. Hold on, yes. I gotta play it. I gotta play it for that one. <laughs> <laughs> but Ugh, it probably was kind of helpful that it was greasy, Mason. Ready? Check I, Allie, and then Oop on this one. Ready? Okay, ready? <laughs> Mason, it probably was helpful that the sandwich was a little greasy, because then you didn't need to lube up when you jacked it. <laughs> ah! We're done. I'm not saying anything the rest of the show. Marissa, what are your thoughts on this album? What do you like about it? Oh, my God. Well, yes. So I totally agree with both of you. And just as a, or, you know, Mason, I kind of, you know, I agree with him. Noah, I don't agree with you on anything. Right. And I think you're the scum of the earth. Right. Okay. Um, just so that's out there. Just so it's out there, write it down. Uh, Everyone put it in your calendars and go for what you were going to say. Yes. Um, but yeah, Mason, I agree. It's like, I also chose this specifically because it is like probably my one of my favorite albums that is like not very thought-provoking as a contrast to American Utopia which is going to be, which is this huge right feat yeah. that we will dive in like there's so much shit going on in American Utopia I was like maybe I should choose something that's not like a heartbreak emotional fucking crazy album but this album is something that is you know it's not just surface level for me I think there is a lot of depth and I think it takes, as many albums do, a few listens to really fully appreciate the lyricism and yeah. the thought that went behind it. Love that thought process, Chef. Even though you think Thank I am the you. scum of the earth, I think what you said is great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chef. <laughs> Thank you, scum of the earth, Chef. Thank you, disgusting, dirt-eating Chef up in the, <laughs> in the Zoom chat. <laughs> yeah. What are some of your favorite <laughs> tracks? Like, what are your, what are your go-to bangers? Go to bangers. Let's see. Wait, I'm just gonna I'm gonna look up the the track list Please. right freaking now, okay. so I can. So yeah, I think my favorite favorite track li- favorite on the track list are the ones that are a little more introspective. Um, Prince of the Hanging Gardens is definitely my top top favorite because it was the first that I was introduced to of this band and album, and the lyrics are just extremely thought provoking. I, I I see this as like a confession of privilege um and and also a sort of it's kind of it seems like a confessional to me it seems like a confession of of privilege of of having a position of comfort and of luxury and wanting more and maybe being a little you know unabashedly owning the the good fortune that this person has like i i i don't know anything about the 
the you know I don't know anything about the the band's wealth or anything itself, but I I feel like the character in this song is extremely relatable for me. Interesting. I guess I wasn't doing like a super deep dive on lyrics, but that's sort of no shit. If you listen to the show all the time, it's like Noah does not know what the fuck they're ever saying in any of the songs. <laughs> He's just sort of vibing out. So I'm gonna have to do a listen of this that's just focused on lyrics. Mason, do you have any thoughts on what Marissa just said about that sort of idea? Um, I also didn't like. That's a nice thing. That's the. Th- I, I I. That's where I'm kind of at with this album. Actually, is like I just got so entranced and uh, uh, with the kind of vibe of this thing that I was just having the Noah March or just like kind of vibe out, and I didn't go too deep into the lyrics. But I did just pull up. Um, Mm-hmm. The lyrics for The Prince of Hanging Gardens. One super long lyric sheet that we got here, um, but also very, like, um, it, it kind of just, just it does such a good job of um, creating a, a scene here and creating a location and creating this sort of, I guess, state of mind um, that I can't quite, crack right now just like kind of reading it while recording the podcast holy fuck um but i agree with you like i i think that this, there's like i i agree with what marissa is saying that this is an album that i think that i i feel would reward a multiple listens and kind of trying to like get in and dive deep um uh a little a little deeper rather each time that you give it a give it a shot here um, I just I'm looking at the lyrics right now, and I like this particular this particular stanza from Prince of Hanging Gardens through the 90s and the 80s in the 80 and the BC through the Xanthus and the Yangtze and the Niger and the Gang- Ganges. And then it goes in the chorus. Hold me, fold me, control me, cajole me and release me on the Lethe and the Ikor through my body. I don't even know how to pronounce two of those words there, but it's it's. My man is listing I... rivers on this podcast today. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what's crazy is I think. Sorry to sorry to cut you off. I'm Please. I'm having a discovery. <laughs> no, yeah. So, so I I don't I didn't know this. Apparently, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon oh. are were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Yes. Um. So I think this is a. I mean, obviously, the seven the, the this album title is a nod to that. But the end, the outro of the Prince of the Hanging Gardens lyrics is Babylon and then Babel on two words. Oh, the very autumn. Okay. So they're totally, they're doing, they're doing a nod. They're doing something um, there. They're mixing it up. They're getting frisky with it at the end. Yeah, no. And Mason, I totally, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, like the way that like the effectiveness of this album is not necessarily in its emotional depth, but I do think that like they do such a good job of painting a picture their imagery is, is, is fantastic. Yeah. Like, and the reason, like, us particularly where I get, like, privileged from or, like, a, a state of, like, you know, tortured luxury misery is, like, the very first verse. It's like, you know, I'm a lazy student. I'm gonna, you know, I'm in this beautiful library. I'm a, I'm a lazy student in a circular library with a glass ceiling and a parquet floor. Whoa. So, like, he's fucking rich. He goes to... He actually went to... Um, Cornell, I think, because he there's a song called Ithaca, yes, and he talks about Cornell University, um, and then the end of this phrase is, "I'm gonna go to the Amazon in search of a pigment that I want on my wall." Like mm. he has the means to go to the Amazon 
to travel to insane lengths and spend insane amounts of money just to find a pigment that he wants to decorate his his wall with. I just think that's this, really cool. This song is about this song is about the founder of Jimmy John's. Is what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> just this is the biggest like biggest dickhead of the entire world. Fucking big game hunting in the Amazon in the South Saharan African desert, being a fucking. But it's, yeah, shit. but it's not just an album about like you know, the 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 jungle or these kind of lush um the, these kind of lush settings. There's also a song about a Facebook apology. There's a yeah. song called Southern Suburbs and there's a song called Pluto. Pluto might be my favorite on the album actually. Pluto's I really good. like that. I like Pluto. Mm-hmm. I like Pluto a lot. The run um, from Beauty Like a Titan Bow, Chelsea Blakemore and Pluto Live is probably my favorite like section of the album all told. I think that's mm-hmm. the strongest mm-hmm. section of the whole album. It's fun. This whole album is hashtag I'm on island time. That's what this yeah. album is, and it's fun. <laughs> you can listen to it if you want to dig deeper with it over time, but this is also just a fun album to listen to if you want to groove out. It's both, and we love that about it. We do love that about it. Absolutely, absolutely. Noah, do you have any, what's your favorite song on this album aside from that three, Is or is that just that three song run your favorite part of this album here? That three song run, so I like Beauty with Beauty Like a Titan Bow, Chelsea Blakemore, and Pluto, and then Ithaca, loved it, and then mm-hmm. maybe yes. my favorite overall song, and I don't, again, I can't really speak to why I like this one so much, but I'm really into Cavendish Square. I think that song is fucking awesome. That song's so good too. Yeah, I think yes. that one got a, that one got a heart for me on Spotify. Nice. I actually oh, a heart. That's high praise. I, I I'm a little. I'm kind of. I'm kind of insane with the hearts. I'll give hearts to anything that I don't fucking hate. To be honest with you, I'm like, oh, yep, I liked it. I'll give it a heart. But here's He's what the I Joker will say. Joker of Spotify. <laughs> well, I don't know. Who, yeah. Well, I don't know who runs the Joker of Los Angeles account, but whoever does is doing a great job these days with that. But um. You know what I think is interesting about this, Mason, and this will get the McDon- this gets the McDonald's flute from me. I think this is the first album we've had in a minute, at least in my opinion, that passes the McGuire test. Every song is good. Oh my god! That gets I think the every McGuire song on this album is too. good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I don't know if it's the f- it's not the first one for me that passes that particular sniff, but I think it's kind of undeniable that there's not a bad song on this album. Actually, agreed. I didn't say that it's the first album ever on the show to do that. No, I just feel like yeah, I don't put words in his mouth. Yeah, can you I'm not sorry. do that, man? I'm sorry. Can you not? Can I just reach in there and pull those words out of your mouth? I'm sorry. I just need, I didn't mean to put them there. I just was running out of space. <laughs> yeah, you're running out of space, so you got to put the words in my mouth. Um, yeah, but uh, so Cavendish Square is probably my favorite. Echoes, I think, is a good song, and then I agree. The Prince of Hanging Gardens is sort of a great little way to end albums. And I and I just thought this, so I'm gonna say it. Just thought this. I'm gonna say it. Um, yeah, just let's get this out here. Sometimes when I'm listening to albums, I wish that the penultimate song in the album was the final song of the album. Like I feel mm-hmm. that a lot of the time when I'm listening to albums, it's like they put their like true banger to close the album, second to last, and then they put mm-hmm. a song that is like not like. And I guess just in my own experience, like maybe a little more chill, maybe a little bit more like introspective to like end things. So it's like you have the climax, like in storytelling, it's like you have the climax and then you sort of have the falling action resolution. So maybe that's the thought there. But I feel like they really nail Prince of Hanging Gardens as like the we're going out with like our biggest and most blaring guns here. So shout out to the boys in Beatenburg for that one. And that's my thoughts. Let's go. 
I totally agree, Chef. Thank you, Chef. I completely, completely concur. I was just thinking about that actually the other day about um, graduation by Kanye West. Oh, uh, okay. For some reason, I, I was like, I think, does Homecoming end? Homecoming ends it, but I think whatever was before Homecoming, I was like, oh, I wish that that was the... So here's... Oh, so I think here's Big what it Brother, is. maybe. Big, so Big Brother is the final track. Homecoming is the okay, penultimate yeah. track. And then The Glory, which is a fucking amazing song, underrated Kanye song, is the third to last track. Yes. That's, the thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, I, the Glory is an underrated an underrated song. Let's do an entire episode of the show just on The Glory by Kanye West. Okay. For real. Okay. Such That's a fine. sick Laura Nero sample in that song. Oh God, I love Laura Nero. Right. Right. What is that? Why didn't we do that? Why didn't we do Laura Nero? God damn. Wait, who's that? <laughs> Who the fuck is Laura Nero? What is that? I'll send you You've some. I'll send you some Laura. Uh, she uh, Stone Soul Picnic, Wedding Bell Blues, uh, Save the Country is the one that's sampled in the Glory. Uh, Marissa, help me out here. What are some other Eli? Uh, Eli's coming. Eli's- yeah. Uh, he's a runner. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Uh, this is news to me. She's like... Sorry. She was a big influence like... on Elton John is is maybe all you need to know about. That's the okay. how I got into her was just like getting into Elton John's influences. And it was like her and, and Leon Russell I listened to a lot for a period. Um, okay. I think I have Stone Soul yeah, Picnic on final, actually. She's awesome. Uh, I love Lauren. Artists to watch for 2022. Lauren Nero on everybody's release <laughs> radar on that one. My yeah. release radar on that one specifically. Um, I don't have a lot oh, of. Man. I don't have a lot of fast facts. Is there anything else worth saying about this before we get into the wrap up stuff? I feel like we've covered most of it, if not all of it. But anyone got any final thoughts, Marissa? Um, I'm just looking at. Well, yes, I do have a final thought, and I yes. think this kind of encapsulates a lot of. I mean, my favorite. So my favorites on the album. Yes. Yes. Prince of Hang- Prince of Hanging Gardens, number one. I love Ithaca. I love Facebook Apologia. I just think it's so, just kind of random in this. You know, we have this lush sound. We have the gardens. We have you know the the pastoral imagery, and then we have this song about Facebook, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? But it's just so sincere. I just think yeah. I think everything they say is sincere, and I think just to wrap that thought up, the lyrics. I love when I'm like reading a book or something and I have to like look up words that I don't understand sure, or places yeah. that I've never heard of. This album for me is like that. There's a lot of um, uh, just a lot of worldly intellect, a lot of things that I don't know. Like I don't know where, I don't know what Kefalonia is. Is that like in fucking, I don't even know. That's where they have a lot South of Africa. Catholics. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm not going to talk. I'm not gonna, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking like but yeah it's where they have a lot of cathols but yeah keep going but yeah just in general like just mostly locations locations or or vocab words i think i'm a big nerd in terms of learning more about that so i love an album or a piece that challenges me in that regard hell yeah do you happen to have a favorite word i know some people do do you oh god i like just have one like i was just thinking about this of course when you put me on the spot um i uh Oh, I use. Oh my god! You can come back to you on that. You can if you think of it at any point in the show. Let us know about your favorite. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout it out at some point, like an hour yeah. from now. I'll be like distinguished. No, it's not that. But I'm gonna shout. <laughs> my favorite it out. word it, uh, is farting. That's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite word in the English language is farting. You That's don't cool. say. You don't yeah. say. Well, that was just an example. That was just an example. <laughs> 
That was just that's actually just an example of a word that could be your favorite. Mason, do you have a favorite word or any final thoughts on uh, this album? Uh, I think I've covered all anything I want to say about this album. Favorite word? Uh, favorite. My favorite word, word is actually podcast. I, that's actually my favorite word in the entire language. Language. I was about to say my favorite word is podcast, but uh, <laughs> I think I'll change that and I'll make I'll say my, my favorite word. You know what? You know what my favorite word is. What's that? Michigan. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. Yes, Marissa. Channel that yeah. energy for the rest of the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Uh. Um, I, I found my favorite word. Yes, ma'am. What is your favorite word? I love love the word um, ameliorate. I use it, I use it more than I ameliorate. should. Ameliorate. Oh. oh, that is a great word. Can you actually, for me and maybe anyone else who doesn't know that one, what do we, what do we, what do we mean when we say ameliorate? Yeah, so basically like when I'm in a when I'm doing a Zoom call with the two ugliest people on the planet, oh, okay. I try to ameliorate the situation by looking at myself and seeing someone who's beautiful. <laughs> You're not talking about us, right? You wouldn't be well, talking about Well, there's no about... possible way that she could be talking there's about no this way. Zoom call. <laughs> no, no. I feel like I'm doing the Zoom call with the two ugliest people in the world, but there's no way that Marissa <laughs> could be could be doing the same Zoom call. There's no way. So I can't believe I'm the only person that has three good-looking people looking back at me on a Zoom window oh, wow. right now. We're all we're all doing a different Zoom call right now. Apparently, somehow we're all being fed into the same one though. Um, here's two fast facts <laughs> about Beatenberg and the Hanging Gardens of Beatenberg. There's not a ton of info about these guys out on the line. Yeah. I found an interview with them, and I read it. And it just wasn't like there was nothing in the interview that I was like, oh, I gotta say that on the show, you know? Like it was all like it wasn't pretty, giving you anything. It was it's giving kind of boring. That's what I'll say. It's giving gotcha. kind of yeah. So you can read it if you like are like I just need to have any info on these guys that's available. But here's just some basic basic info about the band as well as this album. <laughs> Beatenberg is a South African band based in Cape Town. It's probably their most distinguishing characteristic in a lot of ways is that. You don't get a lot of, at least in my world, you don't get a lot of Cape Town, South African bands. I can't even yeah. know if I can name another South African band off the top of my head. Can you guys? Off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't either. Mm, no. Shout out to Beatenberg. Composed of Matthew Field, Robin Brink, and Ross Dorkin, the group signed with Universal Music Group in 2012. They gained national attention in 2014 for their collaboration with the artist DJ Clock. That is such a swag fucking name, <laughs> DJ Clock. Swag. Fucking swag, dude. With Pluto, which became a number one popular song in South African radio for over 19 consecutive weeks. So they owned the airwaves of South Africa with DJ Wow. Clark. Good for them. Dope. Their second album, The Hanging Gardens of Beatenberg, from 2014, generated hit singles including Beauty Like a Titan Bow, Scorpion Fish, and Pluto. Last but not least, <laughs> this is the shortest Fast Facts of all time. Last but not least, <laughs> The Hanging Gardens of Beatenberg was a self-produced album and released on August 15th, 2014. Thematically, the album captures thoughts of love and lighthearted subjects. The album was recorded from June 2013 till March of 2014 at Sunset Studios in Stellenbosch, I believe is how you would say that, and vocalist Matthew Field's home peaked at number two on the South African iTunes charts and was awarded the South African Music Awards Prestigious Album of the Year for 2015, at the end of 2015, the album was certified gold by the Recording Industry of South Africa for selling more than 15,000 copies. Mason. Hey. 
I'm going to remind you about the Mercedes Valuable Player. Are you ready? Thank you. I did just get hit on the head and forgot what that is. You know what's interesting is when I went to go see Don't Look Up this week with Dustin, he hit mm-hmm. his head so hard on his own nuts right before the movie started, he was acting crazy for the rest of the screening. So I don't know what the fuck's going on with him, but shout out to Dustin. I hope you're okay, Dustin. I hope you Dustin, didn't hit your head on your own net. Dustin nuts blinked too hard. twice. Bust, Dustin blinked. <laughs> Bustin. Bustin tits. <laughs> Dustin, if you can hear me, bust right now. Bustin tits. <laughs> Bustin tits giving dome. If you're, uh, if you can hear us. <laughs> yeah, Dustin, get well soon, man. That was a really nasty spill you took when you bonked your head on the head of your penis. That was really gross. That was gross, and for everyone, thought it was really nasty. So just get uh, well soon, my man. Hope you're doing okay. I'm I'm not going to check in on you other than this, so hopefully this is <laughs> uh, The Mercedes Valuable Player is the person, place, thing, idea, aspect of the album and film that you most enjoy. It is named after Mercedes Ruel from the 1988 Jonathan Demme film, Married to the Mob. For Mercedes Ruel's performance as Connie which is a great performance. She's the inaugural winner and recipient of the first ever Mercedes Valuable Player from actually both Mason and I. We both gave her that award, I think. Is that true? Yeah. I will re-listen to the episode and report back later. Okay. Look for that. <laughs> look for that. Bye, everyone. <laughs> look, look for that. That's going to be its own special like bulletin that gets, <laughs> that gets released outside of this episode. Breaking news. <laughs> This just, just in. ticker tape going around Times Square, <laughs> just saying like the. <laughs> I would love to get an. Ad. I would love to get an ad for this show going in Times Square right next yeah. to like guest jeans and Pepsi Wild Cherry Max. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You guys all know what the Mercedes Valuable Players. We do this every week to be a bunch of bullshitters. Marissa, who, what, or which is your Mercedes Valuable Player for the Hanging Gardens of Beatenburg? By Beatenburg. Oh man, gotta be. Gotta be the lyrics to Prince of the Hanging Gardens. I just, I just really, really f with that, f with that idea of being rich and troubled somehow. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Okay, let's go. Hell yeah! All right, hell yeah. Do you recommend this album? Is this a recommend from you? Yes, absolutely. Yes, highly recommend. For anyone who wants to take a trip to Cape Town for a day, maybe Whoa. they're at a temp job, but they love and they just want to relish in that feeling yeah. for a few more hours. Yeah. <laughs> relish <laughs> in the feeling of having employment for the couple hours. <laughs> and then when this album ends, you get, you get fucking let go. Very cool. Very cool yeah. to end listening yeah. to this album. Uh, Mason, what about you? Mercedes Valuable Player, and do you recommend this freaking thing? Uh, I'm going to give my um, Mercedes Valuable Player to Matthew Field, the vocalist, guitarist, and I believe maybe principal songwriter of this group here. Um, one of just, just um, one of the, my favorite things about this album is just like kind of how effortless it feels like it creates this atmosphere. Absolutely. Um, and I think that his vocal performance kind of, it's, it's, it's light and easy without being, I think, um, kind of surface surface level uh really really good stuff there uh and i'm also going to recommend this album 
Um, I, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to give this a full recommend. I really enjoyed wow. listening to this. I really wow. uh, enjoyed the... T- yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed listening to this. And I think that it's um, in the, the cold winter months that we have here really helps get you out of... Uh, helps you get out your out your seasonal affective disorder if you got it or just any other kind of related sadness you may have. So full recommendo for me on this one here. Noah. What? What? How about you? How about, oh, what? Okay. What? Thank you, for, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking, Mason, what I think. Um, Mason, this doesn't mm-hmm. happen often on the show, but we need mm-hmm. to celebrate it when it does. Mm-hmm. I also am giving the Mercedes Valuable Player Award to Matthew Field, the vocalist and guitar player on this album, for uh, quite truthfully, mostly the same reasons you did as well. I think that it is the combination of his voice and Possibly his lyrics, depending on whether or not he's the actual songwriter, it's impossible to know. Sort of like the uh, sort of like the Earth, the Earth is flat, or not kind of impossible to know. Um, yeah. it's sort of like that. Um, we can talk about that after the show. <laughs> but you know, just Bonus everything content. that. Yeah, that's 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 Patreon. It is me discussing whether we can actually know if the Earth is a globe or if it's flat or not. That's interesting. I'm sure we would actually get about $100,000 a month if we maybe leaned in that direction a little harder. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give my, award to, my Mercedes Valuable Player Award to him for his lovely voice and the effortless sound that emanates from this band, which I have to imagine is sort of led by him. He's got the home studio. I have to yeah. feel maybe he's the sort of leader of this band, uh, and I'll give it to him. I'm going to give this a regular recommend. I'm not quite there with a full recommend yet, uh, but I did enjoy listening to this. I can see myself listening to a couple tracks after we're done recording this episode, and I never have to see either of you again, except I'll be seeing Mason next week, same time, um, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. Um, can you believe that, guys, that I see Mason every week for once a week for about two-ish hours? That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a regular recommend for now, but Yay. probably forever. <laughs> so, regular <laughs> recommend. And with that, let's talk about the movie. Marissa. Oh. Yes. What are we talking Hello. about for a movie? We're talking about American Utopia. And you know what? what? I think if my original idea was went through to have American Utopia be my album, I think you would have given it a full recommend because David Byrne is a genius. Whoa. David well, Byrne? David Byrne? You're David saying Byrne. this about David Byrne? She got, David Byrne? You guys can't hear it, but Marissa got so close to the screen when, when Mason was she talking about so. David Byrne. She got so fucking close. I need you to fucking back up, for real. Um, oh, there she goes. Now she's farther away, and that's actually making me a She bad. is yeah, so small. She's the size of a pea on the screen. The entire oh. Zoom window is collapsing, and now she is but the size of a crumb of popcorn that fell out of Noah Barger's <laughs> mouth. It happened again last night, and and a piece of popcorn that's going to fall out of Marissa's mouth. But I did, I did have popcorn fall out of my mouth again last night when I was brushing my teeth. <laughs> wow. When you're brushing your teeth, like, you didn't even register it was in your mouth before you brushed your teeth. <laughs> I was eating popcorn at the movies, and I was brushing my teeth. And a little piece fell out, and I was like, huh. Oh, I'm glad I brushed my teeth <laughs> twice a day, because that would have stayed in there for eons, if not, because I just would have been in there for the rest of my life. But, Marissa, what is your history with American David Byrne's American Utopia? Let's be fucking spot on on this. Let's okay? be specific. Oh, 
David we're Burns. We're going to be spot on. We're going to be spot on. We're going we're gonna to be Spotify for this. We're going to be Spotify um, for this. What's your history with not only that project, but also just David Byrne in general? David Byrne is one of my dad's favorite artists, and uh, historically my father has influenced a lot of my music taste Love growing that. up, formative years. Um, he had me listening to the Beatles, very young age, B-52s. I was like, whenever someone would ask my favorite band when I was like 10 or 11, I'd be like, Beatles and B-52s, done. That's awesome. That's the only bands I like. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he's totally conditioned me on some really deep cuts. Like, yeah, my favorite Beatles song is um, Nowhere Man. <laughs> oh, whoa. Somebody back, wow. everybody back the fuck up. We got a real Beatles fan in the fucking Zoom tonight. Yeah. Damn. Okay, very cool. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, long story short, he's influenced a lot of my stuff and he had me listening to David Byrne pretty early. There's one song I remember called, uh, oh, damn, it's like fucking, uh, well, yeah, I think, I think Road to Nowhere, I think everyone's coming yeah. to my house. Um, and there's another song about like, I want to stay up late or something like that. I can't remember the, the name of it. Oh, um, up all night, maybe. I think that's it. Yeah. Was it in American Utopia? Was it in American Utopia? No, it was not. No. Um, Keep talking, or I think we'll, it's we'll in Little. I think it's on uh, the Little Creatures album. Let me look it up. Mm-hmm. I think it is yeah, called Stay yeah, Up so Late. Yeah, Stay Up Late by Talking Heads. Stay Up Late. Yeah. yeah. Oh, t- yeah, Talking Heads. Yeah, and so generally, so like that kind of weird, weird vibe. Also, Alan Parsons Project. Just had to throw that in there. Love that too. Awesome. Okay. Um, so my dad's a big freaking nerd as you can tell and give that guy a freaking swirly after you're done doing this yeah i'm gonna shove his head in the toilet in the (laughs) guest room in a second that's gonna be awesome uh yeah i'm gonna film it i'll put on world star yeah um anyway nice nice (laughs) i just had to cap that yeah um and so we love david byrne mom loves david byrne too we went to see american utopia on broadway in december of 2019 so cool dream so cool. yeah it was amazing it was it, it's a, one of the best shows i've ever seen i i have i hesitate to say it's one of my favorite musicals because it's not really a musical it's more like a live like more like a concert Absolutely. but it's definitely one of my favorite things i've seen on broadway hands sure. down it is it was so good it was just like so good and i've been listening to the album lot recently um I actually registered to vote in that lobby. They have oh, like you a did the head, head count, count thing. Classic. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. They convinced me to to leave my to register because I was registered in Ohio for college, oh, sure. but I didn't have a re- I didn't have a address there anymore. So they're just like registered in New York. So I did that. Got a cute little cute little pin, um, and I yeah re- registered to vote. So it, yeah, it was just a great experience, and I really loved the. Um, you know, the politicized nature of some of the numbers. I really loved that they, you know, weren't afraid to to make it political and to make a statement. Um, and this was even, you know, this was a half a year before we all started to be performative act- in our activism. Right. And like, yep. you know, before we gave a fuck. Da- like, David, Byr- David Byrne was trendsetting in performative activism. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him, man. Yes. <laughs> Good for, for him. For real. Yeah. 
he trademarked. That's his. That's his thing. Yeah. He, he was the first person who posted the black square on Instagram. I think. Yeah, he <laughs> did it. He did it. He did it in November of 2019. That's crazy. <laughs> so ahead of just pretending to give a shit. That's awesome. Yeah. No, wait. Honestly, though, the, one of the best parts about seeing the show live is that we were, we stood out at the stage door after the show. It was freezing. Right. We watched the ensemble come out. So there's only it's David Byrne and then eleven people behind him playing instruments. Yeah. And uh, they all came out one by one. We waited a good like twenty minutes. We were like, uh, eh, David's probably not gonna come out. Whatever. There was like this big Cadillac parked, you know, next to the stage door. We we're like, oh, he's probably gonna like either you know come out really quickly and go into the car or maybe take right. another route this this bitch he comes out with his bike Yeesh. out of the stage door just like and so gracious talking to everyone yeah. signing everyone's playbills taking pictures he like is just he's he's probably one of the only celebrities that i fully trust in his in his nature and his morals yeah he yeah. seems like a genuinely like kind and like caring person genuine i mean and again yeah we say that now it is insanely impossible to actually know but you get the impression it's like so from the heart with that guy i don't yeah. think he totally. can i don't think he has another mode to be honest <laughs> yeah. I think the only people that don't like him are people that he was in the talking heads with but i that True. just might be because you're in a band with with someone for over a decade, you know their ins and outs and ups and downs, and you can start to feel, <laughs> you know, um, it's it's a very intimate relationship being in a in a musical group and one particularly as big as the Talking Heads. Uh, and that is why but, today we are announcing the twelve-hour Peter Jackson documentary about it's on the list. We're getting ready to yeah. do the Joker <laughs> episode. <laughs> the lead up to that, our our sort of brainstorming that sort of led up to that. It's going to be available yeah. on Fubu TV. So get your Fubu yes. TV subscriptions ready to go. <laughs> you don't I'm just Fubu. sitting in my. Yeah, there's just a, a, a shot, like, uh, I leave the Zoom window to, like, go on a walk or something, and Noah's just sitting, and he's, like, practicing a Joker voice. He's, <laughs> 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 like, doing different weird voices until he settles on, like, the one Joker voice. I'm doing, okay, this, and this, like, I'm like, okay, this is Jack. This is how Jack would do it. <laughs> and then yeah. I do the Jack voice. I'm like, okay, no, this is how Heath would do it. And I'm just, like, really going back and forth with it. But really, in the end, you just have to create your own Joker voice and kind of live your own Joker lifestyle. And that's kind of what the documentary exactly. is about. And it will it's like how Disney Plus does the like premiere pass thing where it costs an additional thirty or forty dollars to watch Mulan early or whatever it was. This right. is gonna be a hundred thousand dollars if you want to see this twelve yes. hour documentary. So pony yes. up. Yes. Yeah. We're looking at you. It, well, Elon. I I want to get I so there's no no one gets mad at us later. It's a hundred thousand dollars for the Noah Marger pass where you see this this from just the Noah Marger point of view. For the Mason mm-hmm. McGuire point of view, it is eleven D billion dollars. <laughs> That's yeah. Eleven D. We're looking 11 at eleven D billion dollars. Yes. Jeff Bezos. We're looking at you, Bill yes. Gates. We're looking at yes. you. Um, Mariska Hargitay. We're looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> Pay up. <laughs> Pay up, you fucking crazy lady. Get in there. Oh, my God. Do both. Get the Noah Marger pass and the Mason M pass, for God's sake. Um, enough of that. Mason. Enough of that. <laughs> yeah. Mason. What's up? What's up? What's your fucking history with this shit and David Byrne? 
Um, so kind of like Marissa H, David Byrne, and I specifically, specifically the Talking Heads were one of the first bands, also with the Beatles, that my parents like kind of passed down to me. But for me, it was the song "Wild Wild Life" from um, oh, True that's Stories. A great song, yeah, I love, yeah. love, 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 love that song. Also, some stuff off of um, Little Creatures. Mostly, I remember "And She Was" being big in the car. Yes. That's an, another great song. I really love that album. Um, and kind of as I got into college, I became like the archetype, you know, you kind of become the archetypal Talking Heads guy. Like, that's me. The Talking Heads is one of the <sighs> bands that I have like near their complete discography on vinyl just because when I was heavy in my vinyl buying phase um, or buying that a lot of vinyl initially, I was heavy in my Talking Heads phase. So I was like, yeah, I got to get stop making sense on vinyl yeah i gotta get speaking in tongues yeah i gotta make sure that i have this 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 uh discography completed before i move on and uh, with with my life here and um but david byrne was also always kind of a touch point guy and because of that um uh there are po- points in my life where i rejected his teachings rejected his ways did not want to be seen as a talking heads guy I wanted to be seen as uh kind of denying my true nature that way um, but, um, so I'll get to the point that I was very excited. I love this, this, the American Utopia album, I believe it is when it, when it first came out. Um, and, uh, I saw actually the show when it was a touring concert at the Shrine Auditorium oh with Cousin God. Luke. Holy yeah. Shit. With Cousin Luke. We were in the nosebleeds. We were way, way, way the fuck up there. I'll try to find my Instagram post that I made about that show and i'll send it to you guys when we're done here was that in 2019 uh yeah maybe 2018 i think 2018 actually so he's Um, been doing this show for like a number of years then i thought it was like a i guess it wouldn't have been a 2020 exclusive because let me let me double check this it might have been 2019 i could i could be wrong about that actually um either but it was a it anyways it was a great show um, and because, like, and all to get to the point that, folks, listeners, Marissa H., Noah Marger, yeah. this is the first time I'd seen this movie, actually, was preparing it for the show. I didn't watch it when cool. it premiered last year on HBO Max. I uh, don't really have an excuse. You know, I earlier today I was like, well, was it just because I wanted to preserve my own experience with seeing that show that I didn't want it to be like influenced by watching Spike Lee's direct like the direction of this or whatever? I don't have any other reason other than I'm a weird motherfucker and can get kind of stubborn about things and I don't yeah. want to. Uh, you know, I just I just I'll just leave it at I'm a weird motherfucker <laughs> and sometimes I don't <laughs> watch things or do things that I know I'll like for no other reason than I. Uh, uh, deny myself that sometimes, nice. but, um, I will leave that at that before we get into the wider discussion here. So Noah, last but not least, it was August 26, 2018 was when I made that post about seeing David Byrne. So it must've been around August of 2018 that I saw them live. So Swag. Noah, what was your, what's your history with this year show with this year, David Byrne with, with, with everything. Uh, well, thanks for asking, Mason. <clears throat> That's first and foremost. Thanks for asking. Thanks for giving the, giving a shit. Um, first time I ever heard of the Talking Heads in my whole life was I used to be obsessed with VH1 countdown shows. 
when they would do. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember those? That was like a that was like a type I of show. Would be like top one hundred one hit wonders of all time, or top one hundred eighty yeah. songs, or whatever. I loved those shows when I was growing up, and we would get them on the DVR, watch all five parts on like a Sunday or something as like a fam. You know, fast forward through the through those damn commercials. I can't oh, I'm fucking, hey, yeah. I, yeah, I can't fucking stand those things. Am I right, folks? Am I right, just guys? Just recorded on the TiVo. Yeah, you got that little so TiVo right. bloop? That little TiVo bloop? Nope, it was just a uh, regular DVR. Um, and so, we, All right. <laughs> so it's actually it doesn't matter that it was TiVo or DVR, but it was just regular DVR. I just want to make that clear. And so I was watching top 180 songs or whatever at one point, and Burning Down the House by the Talking Heads is on that list. And that was the first time I ever heard the Talking Heads in my whole life because my dad kind of has bad taste in music a little bit. <laughs> and he doesn't like David Byrne. He doesn't like the Talking Heads. But he's also just got really ugly-ass taste in music sometimes. Like, he mm-hmm. loves ACDC. Loves ACDC. You've mentioned this. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's like a huge band for him. And listen, there's some ACDC songs that are fun. You Shook Me All Night Long is like one of the best karaoke songs of all time, I would argue. But I'm not mm-hmm. like ACDC fucking rocks at this point in my life. But that was sort of the mode of transpo that I was in. My dad's got some okay taste in some bands. Like he's a big Sticks guy, and I think Sticks are pretty underrated. They've got some great songs, you know. Sticks uh, is cool. But that, yeah. that was sort of the that was sort of where I was being, you know, led to, led astray in that regard. So I didn't really get into Talking Heads until college, when I was, you know, out on my own, didn't have to listen to whatever, you know, was fucking being put on the radio or whatever. I could make my own music choices, and I just remember being. So obsessed with Once in a Lifetime. I thought that song was so fun and so cool and, like, kind of funny, too. Like, I like how it's just, Mm. like, kind of wild and crazy. Uh, I love the, this is not my beautiful house, this is not my beautiful wife classic, the fucking Muppets doing it, you know, that clip or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking funny and good. So I got really into that. And then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I watched Stop Making Sense, which is the, you know, seminal Talking Heads Music documentary, and I it was so overhyped to me, and I just at the time was like, this is good, this is fine, but I wasn't like feeling the magic of it or whatever. I would like to rewatch it, though, because I think I'd have a much different take on it now, uh, being mm. older, wiser, and a little um, little, cr- a little silly. <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> and then the pandemic happens. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Everyone remember the pandemic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, bro. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck that. And so I'm in Portland shitting my dick <laughs> during the pandemic. And we are all starved for new things. And American Utopia was a new thing that came out in 2020. So I watched mm-hmm. it in 2020 when it came out on HBO Max. And once again, I liked it, but I wasn't crazy about it. And... Mm-hmm. After having watched it now, I have a theory about why that is, but I just remember thinking, this is a great ad to go see it live. That's what I remember thinking yeah. at the time. Like, this is a this is like the best possible ad for like wanting to go see this in person one day. But folks, I watched this on Friday. And this I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I'm not trying to be, you know, like overhype it for someone who's never seen it or doesn't have like a, you know, extensive history with Talking Heads or David Byrne. This is one of the best things of all time. Straight up. It's yeah. Like 
in Jackass 3, when the guy's sitting there getting his fucking shit blown back by the jet engine, that was <sighs> me for all an hour, 45 minutes of watching Stop Making Sense. I was just like blown to the back of my recliner, just like taking it all in, completely overwhelmed with emotion watching this. It is beautiful. And that is how I will start off my thoughts about American Utopia, David Burns American Utopia. Marissa, you are the guest of this episode. Fair to say? That's incredibly fair to say. Okay. That's so nice of you to say that. Then I will Because you know what you that first. means? You know what that means? If she's the guest of this episode, she gets to leave and never come back to do this podcast. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, you're the lucky I'm kidding. One. I love doing this show. It's I look forward to it every week. I look forward to it every week as well. Um, I'm also not kidding. Um, I'm kidding. A little bit. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Um, but Marissa, you're the guest. <laughs> you're the you're yeah. the guest. So I want to ask you, what do you? I want to ask you first. We're all gonna get a chance to talk, Mason. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get a chance to talk. I'm gonna get a chance to I, talk. I, I, I just for for mine and the listeners' sake, I wish I wouldn't get a chance to talk. <laughs> I'm not gonna comment on that. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. I think everyone knows where I stand on that comment. Um, but Marissa, as the guest, we'll start with you. What do you love about David Burns' American Utopia? Gosh, well, first let me gas you up by saying I'm so glad that we decided to do this for the film because I think that there's so much more to talk about in the visuals. Even so, even even than the music, I think absolutely the music is mm. one thing. You know, there's so much depth and so much amazing lyricism but i I guess can i actually expand on what you just said real quick and toot my own horn i guess the reason so the reason we're doing this is the movie it's because marissa's told me she wanted to do this as the album i said would you be willing to do it as the film instead because and was it true you didn't know that it was actually on hbo max at that point no i had no idea wow okay so maybe that's a one in the win column for noe on that one maybe definite win for noe on that one thank you chef okay (laughs) keep going uh, yes. And, uh, so, so the visuals I think are my favorite aspect. And I think it's just such a cool concept. Like I have this, this is sort of my beef with American theater and with Broadway in particular. It's like, there's just so much shit that sucks that they put on in these, in these big theaters, okay. just too much, too much bullshit. And this is something that is a pure gem that they have, you know, pure gem of an album that they have recreated to be a, beautiful masterpiece on stage and particularly what i love i love the choreography the staging um and the costumes i think those two elements make this make this show and this movie as amazing as what it is Mm -hmm. mason let's throw it over to you i agree with you on that and what i like what i i think you're you're right on that point because like the simplicity of this whole thing is really its its um, biggest, I think, uh, uh, most most striking and most uh, uh, crucial element, almost because, like you know, the the set the the set design, the set movement, the costuming, all the stuff that goes into making a show, you can like you know you can be make something that's super elaborate and super. Um, uh, maybe ostentatious or kind of like you know impressive in its technical in a technical way of that. But this is just so minimal, and it just is all the kind of exists are to um uh, uh underline and kind of sell this the, the point of the show, which is like it's just so cool 
and it's so cool this movie came out in 2020. You know, like we're watching, I think, a show that's perform- that was recorded in 2019, and there's not a single mask in the audience that you can yeah. see. People are around and singing with their whole ass heart and dancing around and spitting on each other, probably, and not without a care in the world. Without a care in the world, as we were doing back in those days. But yeah, nothing was bad back then. <laughs> nothing was bad back then. No, everything was great. Everything was cool. But yeah. it's great that this was this. There was this, this project that David Byrne made that was just. Isn't it cool to watch people? That's it. Isn't it cool just to watch and be with with people? Like as a as a person, I I really. It, <sighs> One of my biggest pet peeves, honestly, is when people online post about, oh, this is my favorite human. Like, I love humans. Like, I'm just shut the fuck up and stop talking like a goddamn serial killer trying Let's to sound go. like you're a normal fucking person. Let's go. Yes, exactly. But when yes. David Byrne talks about it, he has such like a, as a guy that I think like just his, his entire life, his entire career has been like, as he says in Everybody's Coming to My House, we're all just tourists in this life. Just a guy that exists to kind of move and and be observant. Like, it sounds different coming from him. It sounds, like, kind of profound. Like, I'm like, yeah, I am just, like, a brain inside of, like, a fucking human flesh thing that's moving around. And really, at the end of the day, it's so cool just to watch other people. be Like, I went to the Siskel Center last night to see Drive My Car, the Ryosuke Hamaguchi movie, which is just, like... Three hours of being with people that are just very, very, very sad Um, and and watching them, like, rehearse a show, rehearse a checkoff play, basically. Um, There's just something, like, I I just – but to get back to American Utopia, the stagecraft, the everything, just, like – just it's a show about like how joyful how it how joyful and confusing and and weird and lovely and wonderful it is to just be a person <laughs> and to exist on a stage or in an audience or in a city riding your bike with with other people and almost nothing that's on the stage or in the presentation of this movie gets in the way of that i think for i think i think that's like kind of the first part of my thoughts here and i am done done with that noah what do you have to say about this fucking movie here bud okay um once again this doesn't happen often but mason you and i were on the same page because my favorite thing about american david burns american utopia is how simple it is it is yeah i literally had just written it down like in what i what did i written down in my notes let's read from my notes here everything is so simple and clear the lighting is simple and clear. The especially the choreography and blocking is so simple and mm-hmm. clear and effective. The stage pictures are simple and clear, and the arrangements of the songs are so simple and clear and fulfilling. That is what yeah. makes this as what separates I think from this because there is no bullshit going on in this production and in the filming of this. It's exactly what it is. It is straight. It's Frank Booth screaming <laughs> at that girl in the, or at Kyle McLaughlin in Blue Velvet going, do you know what a love letter is? It's a fucking bullet straight from the heart. That is what this fucking is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is so amazing to watch David Byrne and the 11 other musicians just traipse around on stage singing these songs, and they're all just... They never get tired. They're all just like singing their fucking <laughs> hearts out and they're just having a great time. People are, I don't think people's, I think the, people sat down for maybe like five minutes total of this show. Yeah. And like yeah. every time else, people are up 
dancing around, having a great time, and it does feel sort of like a last vestige of this. And you see a lot online, and, and people talking about this, that this was the perfect movie for 2020. And I kind of disagree with that, actually. Because mm-hmm. the reason I thought this movie was pretty good in 2020, but pretty damn perfect in 2021, is because in 2020, Mason, I went back and listened to a random episode of this show from the pre-Vax okay. days. We sound uh-huh. so fucking sad. We sound so bummed out. And it's just because it was just the worst fucking year ever. Like, it was just, yeah. we were inside most, you know, you know, thank God we were inside, but also, like, fuck, we were just inside living the same fucking Groundhog Day over and over again a lot of yeah. us, you know? And yeah. in 2020, I didn't know what it felt like at a certain level to be in that space. But now in 2021... I'm in those spaces again, starting to go back out and do shit. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's why this shit matters. That, this is why, you know, if you have that argument, if there's people out there who are like, you know, why do we give funding to this kind of shit? Why do we go and support this shit? Whatever. It's because when you come home from your day of civil engineering and you're tired <laughs> and you're, you know, beat or whatever, and you want to feel rejoice and re-energize, what do you do? You listen to music, you read a book, you fucking go see a show, you go see comedy, you watch a movie. That's what you do. That's why this shit exists in the first place. Yeah. It's to make mm-hmm. our lives incredible. And that is what I love about this fucking thing, is it reminded me of that. And so to me, it's the perfect movie for 2021. For me. I understand maybe where people are coming from when they say it's the perfect movie for 2020. For me, it was the perfect movie for 2021, reminding me, why going to these things is so important because I lost that in 2020. It seemed so irrelevant to me that year. We're never going to get back to this. And we did. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I yeah, I, like, I didn't watch it in, in 2020. Um, I, and I think I probably would have had the same experience as you did. Like, I've done some re rejiggering of my 2020 best of list of like movies on face on letterbox i mean just as like i on try facebook. to catch up with more stuff but i still i think like i still think like my fate if i had to take one movie from 2020 to show like an alien or someone that wasn't alive what it was like i really think it would be a movie that i might i was enthusiastic about but may have underrated which is joel haver's pretend that you love me which is all yes. about how it's impot how it's so difficult to connect with people in a way. And that's what 2020 was about. And of course we had, you know, um, you know, in 2020, you know, that's all we wanted to do, but we couldn't because we didn't want anyone to fucking die and get yep. sick and, and kill of the, the evil disease, which we all now have to, I guess, live with and get our boosters of every six months. But, or not, the, <laughs> or, or, not. or you could oh, just yeah, not yeah. and just keep or living you your not. life. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or whatever. Um, but, I this is I think I think you're right Noah that this is a perfect movie for 2021 because like now that I have my shots and now that I just like kind of um I don't know if it's it's reckless or what I you know you go to places they check your vax record and you know when you you go out to make sure everyone's safe but I just I get so much joy now from being in the same room as people sometimes. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and that's really just what I was sitting, uh, I was watching American Utopia on this TV. I'm po- pointing behind me right there. And I, I laid down after I got my breakfast sandwich and I was watching it on that, on, on, on that my little, particular bed. Yeah. 
on that particular cool. bed there. Um, but I'll be goddamned if there weren't times when I had to like, yes, just get up and dance. Yes, like bro. I really, mm-hmm. just really, just I was like, and regardless of whatever fucking funk I was in today or this week, I was just like, no, David Byrne is going to David Byrne and this eleven piece band is just going to. Tell me to reject that and get up and yeah. shake my damn ass. I just, it's such a fucking gift. This movie is and this performance and this music. It's, it's, it's. And Spike Marissa, gets that I feel too, like, because huh? Spike, Spike is such a stylist. We have not mentioned. Yes. You know, yes. Mm-hmm. we've actually talked about a, another Spike recording earlier in the show's history. We talked about Passing Strange with Ryan Kenny. We did. Yes. Uh, last year. And Spike, you know is doing his spike thing in that one. But in this one, except for one moment where they cut away from the stage to show photos of people who have been killed by the police, he Mm. just lets it happen. He just picks the right spot to put the camera in. He picks an interesting spot to put the camera in, and he just lets it happen. He gets it, too. Mm -hmm. He knows this is all about what's happening on stage. I don't need to do editing shit. I don't need to do camera tricks. I just need to capture this in an interesting way. I just need to put the camera somewhere and let it happen. Um, he, he's, you, were, yeah. you were right, though, Mason. We do need to let Marissa fucking say something so because well, that's <laughs> kind of the point of the show. Um, Marissa, what Yo. else do you like about this, or what, how do you feel about what we've said or anything? Yes. No, I, I feel I, – when I was listening to you, to you Noah, uh, talk about it, I was kind of like, okay, I think I, I definitely have more to say. I mean, the surface level – stage and choreography, you know, the way the, the way it's, it's cinematic, cinematography, you know, cinematography. Yes. Um, the, uh, and you know, the set, everything is, is good and dandy. And the way that it makes you feel is, is a sense of rejuvenation, rejuvenation and it's rejoicing and it's, it's celebration of, of human life. And I think going a little deeper, uh, like, straying away from the production value and more to the actual performances, I find that one of the most rewarding things to watch as an actor is a really, like, just a performance that is, like, base level. Like, it is honest. It is nothing. Like, it is, it is like, you're just talking, like, like I'm talking right now. Like, there's no, like, put-upon expression. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no, like affectation to it so natural that you're like you you just question like how this could be real and like when I was watching it last night I didn't I didn't quite get it from when I watched it on Broadway because we were like a little on the farther back side but especially David Byrne like he it's like him and the, the musicians there is just such a sense of unabashed simplicity like they are saying the lyrics because the lyrics are the most important aspect of this performance. And it's not about how David Byrne feels about his lyrics. It's not about like painting the picture. It's literally, he is like, he's like, here is a, here's a region of abundant detail. Like here's a region of great confusion. Put your hand in your pocket. Like he's just talking. And I know like that sounds like a no brainer. Like it should be something that all performances have, but on Broadway, it is very few and far between, and I think that is one of the most compelling aspects of this for me. That there's like a sense of I th- I'm going to steal. I, it's from the Fast Facts, so I'm, I'm I'm playing a little bit with uh, House Money on this one. But the quote from Eric Adams from the AV Club I think says it really well. And again, it's short, concise, and sweet. He says, 
the key to American Utopia's resonance isn't so much of joy versus despair as it is connection versus isolation. There is a Mm -hmm. sense of unity in this show between David Byrne, the musicians, and the audience. It is amazing how quickly on board you become with the David Byrne thing. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like his thing is that there isn't a thing. You know, it is like that's like almost the thing is that it's like it's just simple and sincere. And there's a little bit of childlikeness to that. You know, and everyone at one point in their life was a child. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's fair to say. Not me for that one. No, Mason, you were hatched (laughs) from an egg and you came out at you came out at 17 years old. Yeah. (laughs) And then you the first thing you said was, I think I'm going to start a podcast. That was the first thing. (laughs) Yes. Here's your first full sentence was, I think I'm going to do a podcast now. Um, yeah, it was a Casper Hauser. It was a Casper Hauser kind of situation. The podcast yeah. of Casper Hauser. Yeah, that's fucked up, dude. Um, but that sort of thing that you're talking about, Marissa, is just you believe it from him. You believe it from everyone who's on stage, and the more they believe it, the more you believe it. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I think that, like, you know, it's, it, I, I think you're right that this is, Marissa, not quite a Broadway musical. Um, I don't, I'm no, no, I'm no genius on anything. I just want to make that clear. And I no, don't know how I'm many no times I have to say it on this fucking show for people to understand <laughs> that I'm not a fucking genius on everything. Don't know how many fucking sentences have to leave my goddamn mouth for people to stop listening to me. Mason, uh, everybody yes. knew that from the first episode. I just want to make that very, very clear. And okay, you might not be a genius, down. and I'm no Superman. So, yeah, True. yeah, yeah. kind of cool. Uh, but I think that there's not. Re- it really is just like kind of a concert movie and a concert, I guess, show and a, maybe a performance piece if you want to say it that way. But I kind of like that there is a like a like this is kind of a one man show. Uh, this is like kind of this is a David Byrne like kind of one man show, and he's like using his music to like kind of go through his like almost like his life journey um about like his uh, one of my favorite bits in this in the movie was when he or in the show or whatever you want to categorize it as was when he like talks about spending his like advance from the record company and buying a, a color tv <laughs> um, oh, sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah um and how he used that as a young man to um try to connect to the outside world and i'm watching that and i'm like He's just like me. Yeah, exactly. Dude. I do that. Yeah. Hey, I do that. But like, that's there is like, um, I don't think that, there's not like tension in the way that like a suspense movie has has tension in there. But a lot of this, and a lot of like, I think the staging of the show is David Byrne and the band, like the band, kind of standing in for his relationship to other people. And you know, there are times in this where he's like separate from them, and they're moving around him. But the whole thing does kind of like just bring you to this this just this joyful with uh, this joyful like uh, uh, performance of Road to Nowhere, which like maybe mm. contra- maybe this is a controversial take. Maybe this is a hot take. I think that's my favorite talking head song. Like that is the one that I want with me for the rest of my life, no matter the situation, um, just because of the joy that that song has in it and kind of the joy that it it's it's. Um, it portrays in not knowing what the fuck you're going doing, where the fuck you're going, but having a good time getting there almost. Um, 
and it's just this this whole project is uh is just super striking and like so generous almost in 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 how it it talks about how connecting with people can be sometimes difficult but man like when you have like i i remember going to like my first party after in the vax era and just like one like going right in there and being like man this feels like as natural as breathing like i was so nervous that i was not going to know what it was going to be like with other people and then leaving that party and being like i feel so fucking good right now like it really Mm. does like you could be like kind of a, I, I can get in kind of like stinker mode and be like, I don't like, I'd really like for other people to leave me alone, but it's just, there's really nothing like being around other fucking people is, is just kind of where I'm at. I, what, what how do you guys feel about other people? I don't know how to transition out of this fucking thought here, but it's, <laughs> oh, what, uh, yeah, it, what else do we need to talk about with this, with this date, with this, with this little thing we got here? God, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with what you said early on, like how when people are like, oh my God, like people are so quirky. Like I love people watching. I think that's, you know, generally like not true. And I, I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Generally it's, it's performative and it's, you know, it's preachy and I don't really love, I have a very small social battery, you know, especially post, you know, COVID or whatever, post, post isolation. Um, I don't love, being in a in a social gathering of more than a few people for more than like an hour or so I just get very I get exhausted and I get irritable I don't Mm -hmm. like to I hate small talk just that's probably my my hatred of small talk is probably the core of why I don't love being at like a party or a large group because I just like hate running out of things to talk about um but likewise like what you said like when I when I watch David Byrne and I watch this show like I the fascination of other people and the the love of the quirks of strangers and just human nature is illuminated and doesn't make me want to go to a party necessarily, but it makes me want to be more curious about about others and, yeah. and you know, be a little more an observer in my life. It kind of makes you want to be like more gentle with 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 others and yourself. Uh, no, I saw yes. you were on the verge of a, a thought there, and I'm sorry to interrupt. So 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 it's no. Your you actually had a you actually had something better to say than I did, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which you know, broken per usual bro, broken clocks right twice a day. So <laughs> on that one. Um, but you're right, Mason. So do you want to keep following that, or was that all you were going to say about that? That's it. I'm going to cut myself off there because I don't know where that uh, where that where that road will take me. To nowhere. <laughs> the road to nowhere. Yes, bro. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love watching Mason on this show start a thought and watch him try and do the mental gymnastics to figure out where he's going <laughs> to land the plane. I love watching him take <laughs> off and then the the, the the landing is always crazy as fuck. Bro. And I love wait, it Wait, if your time. mouth... Wait, if, if my mouth is moving and my brain's also moving, then who's flying the plane? <laughs> That's Superman. <laughs> wow. Had to get that one fucking. I Drop City on this episode here. Drop I City. Did, I did that while I Mason know. was talking. I had to do that while Mason was talking. <laughs> Sorry. Just Mason. cut him off with the, with Laszlo Bay. No, not even cutting him off. I did that. I found that drop while he was talking. I wasn't listening to anything he said. I was like, all right, let's find the I'm no Superman. <laughs> scrubs um what else here i mean we've i mean we i don't want to keep saying the same thing over and over again but that 
unity message, you know, especially when they bring in the political stuff, which I'm always surprised yeah. about yeah. whenever I like think about this in retrospect, because to me, I'm like, oh, there's nothing political about American Utopia. And then three times they break during the show to like directly address political matters, like straight. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But I don't think about it in my head that way, but it's what happens on stage. Um, and I feel like a lot of the times when that unity message is talked about, it's talked about by blue check libs who are yeah. like, mm-hmm. let's just, why can't we all just come together and stuff? And it's like, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> we all just can't come together as you so, like, yeah. you're dreaming of something that has never once been a thing in its entire yeah. life. That's just not a thing that's ever been a thing. It's like a fucking false reality. So when that is said, my gut reaction is like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You know, that's my gut reaction. It's like, you are dreaming of something that's not real. But when David Byrne talks about it, and when he talks about the explicitly political stuff of headcount and police brutality and stuff like that, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> we, can, we should be able to fucking talk about this shit in a way that is not, like, insane. You know what I wait like? Yeah. Even yeah. just talking about those things, especially over the last five years, has felt increasingly more challenging. Even to just have a conversation or to address it as like a topic, it like feels immediately like we're like all magnetized yeah. to like one extreme or the other. You know? Yeah. And so that when he talks about that shit, that's one of the most impressive things about the show. Is it's like, oh, I'm sure there are people in that theater who probably don't necessarily agree or understand with some of the stuff he's saying, but I would be hard-pressed to believe they aren't moved by it in some way. You know what right. I mean? That's really totally. hard. That is really hard to do. Yeah. But in film, and again, maybe a hot take here, I'm not sure, but I don't think that like film as an art medium is good at like appealing to like the brain. I think it appeals to the brain if it does appeal to the brain through the heart like it's a pure emotion thing and he's able mm-hmm. to do that he's able to appeal to the brain through the heart in this which is really hard but he does it and i'm like hell yeah well bro. that's yeah and that's <laughs> the uh you mentioned it earlier Noah. but the only time that the movie like kind of breaks from just being a pure like being in service of the performance is when spike has the uh the pictures of the victims of police brutality that are named in the what you talking about with a Janelle Monae song that they also did at, when I saw them live, but it was sort of an encore thing, and they did say say their name, you know. Um, did they have photos, or end. was it was it just a song? No, it was it was purely just um, they were purely just saying the names of uh, uh, yeah, you know, Amadou Diallo, Sandra Bland, um, uh, 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 Trayvon Martin, um, and then after that part's done, you know, Spike puts the names of other victims of police brutality in in red. Um, and that's like kind of the only time, like, you know, it's one David Byrne is a kind of money where your mouth is kind of guy, and I don't know if he hired Spike Lee to to film this or what the kind of or maybe this is in the fast facts I don't know or how this sort of like filming of it came together, but that's where like for as sometimes frustrating a figure as Spike Lee is and can be. Um, he is really the only American filmmaker kind of at his caliber that is at least like bringing this stuff up, you know, or at least like approaching it, um, in, in any, in, in, in his own 
particular certain certain way. Um, so it, that scene and that sequence in this film I found was was very um, affecting. It's as far as like a call to action and like just in terms of inspiring actual politics, that might be on the the, the viewers' um, sort of um, prerogative how they feel how effective they feel it is it is. But in terms of like a performance and for a movie and for a, a show and, and a set of just songs that is about the sort of the totality of just individual human experience, the fact that it like takes time out to be like, hey, by the way, cops are killing a lot of fucking people. Um, it's really just striking. And I don't think that it's is like I, I, I don't think that it is particularly like it's not very i don't know if it's self feel like it's particularly self-service self-servicing on on david burns part to do that i just think that he is kind of a guy that is it, it gets joe's into like how he's his sort of observant nature in a way i mean i don't do you guys agree with that or how do you feel about yeah absolutely no i was jumping off of that like with a perfect segue like it is a performance right like mm-hmm. it in nature in essence it is performative everything he's doing but I he's still I like and this is probably why he is on my like top five celebrities to trust list is like he like you said puts his money where his mouth is he's not this artist that cashes in on his tour and his Broadway show and his HBO movie and then has his separate political beliefs that he tweets about or whatever mm-hmm. like this is a guy who truly he know he as the kids say he understands the assignment because he 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 puts his his morals into his art and he makes it known that he hey he has this platform he takes advantage of the platform to say something important there's no like really, separate mo yeah. you feel like it you're like that's actually what he believes you know there's a genuine yeah. authenticity to that in an era where it does feel hard to trust anybody's political anything especially if they have a platform and have notoriety. Agreed. Absolutely. I would, yeah, and just to, to sort of end that thought, I was thinking, like, someone someone asked me a, a couple weeks ago, because she does a lot of Twitter polls, she's like, for a Twitter poll, what celebrity would you follow a cult of? Like, who, or not even a celebrity, like, who, if someone started a cult, who would you follow? And it took me a while to think about it, because I was like, well... A lot of people really stuck in their morals and they're cool, but they, they, you know, I like their art, but their morals are shitty. And now I know which two people I would follow the cults of. I'd follow the cult of David Byrne and I'd follow the cult of Lady Gaga. There we go. Let's go. All right. I'd follow the cult of Lady Gaga for uh, other reasons other than where she stands so that I can maybe take a look at (laughs) Miss Gaga because House of Gucci, kind of a weird movie, doesn't really fully work. (laughs) But guess what? Anytime she was on screen, I was like, Eyes front, soldier. <laughs> like, let's figure out what she's up to in this day and age. Al Pacino's so fucking good in that movie, though. I'll just say that. Al Pacino's fucking good. Okay. In that movie. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Yeah. Shut up, dude. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> you don't give a shit. You don't give a fuck. Um, I got more fast facts than I did for whatever the fuck the Beatenberg album was called. Uh, sorry, I just completely forgot. It's okay. But um, is there anything else worth mentioning about? American Utopia. I feel like we covered it. Let's go. Marissa, you good? Yeah, we're good. Mason, you good? Let's go. Fast facts. Okay. Let's do some fast facts here. 
I got fast facts about not only American Toad, but, but David Byrne as well. David Byrne is a Scottish-American singer, songwriter, record producer, actor, writer, music theorist, and filmmaker. Byrne has released solo recordings and worked with various media, including film, photography, opera, fiction, and nonfiction. Here's something that maybe you didn't know. He has received an Academy Award, a Grammy Award, a Tony Award, and a Golden Globe, and is an inductee in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of Talking Heads. Do you guys know what wow. he won his Oscar for? What do you uh, want his Oscar for? Uh, the Muppets. Uh, Kermit the Frog. Yeah, it was Muppets Most Wanted. <laughs> he won his Oscar for Muppets Most Wanted for Kermit the Frog. He did the score for the Bertolucci film The Last Emperor, and I didn't know that. Oh, no shit. Yeah, so huh. shout out to David Byrne for that. I've never seen that movie, but cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool, I guess. Uh, before high school, Byrne already knew how to play guitar, accordion, and violin. He was rejected from his middle school's choir because they claimed he was... Off key and too withdrawn. Uh, I would say they have some egg on their face. What would you guys say? Yeah. 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 Big fucking L. L for them. Absolutely. Handing out L's left and right to that middle school choir. Get fucked. Uh, he started his musical career in high school in a band called Revelation between 71 and 72. And he was one half of a duo named Bizzotti. Yes, Bizzotti with Mark Kehoe. Their repertoire consisted of mostly songs such as April Showers, 96 Tears, Dancing on the Ceiling, and Frank Sinatra songs. Byrne attended RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, during the 70-71 term. Let's go. And Maryland Institute College of Art during the 71-72 term before dropping out. He returned to Providence in 1973 and formed a band called The Artistics with fellow RISD student. Hey, maybe you've heard this name before. Chris France went on to be the drummer for Talking Heads, maybe? Did, hey. did nice. the drumming on Clues by Robert Palmer, hey. which we covered in the yeah. early days of the show. Kinda Ooh, cool. I'm looking for clues. Ooh, I'm sniffing my ball sack. The band dissolved <laughs> in 1974. Wow. wow. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Byrne moved to New York City in May of 74, and in September of that year, France and his girlfriend, Tina Weymouth, followed suit. Unable to find a bass player Love in New her. York, France and Byrne persuaded Weymouth to learn and play the bass guitar. That's kind of wild to me. Love Tina Weymouth. Love her. During his time in the band, David Byrne took on outside projects collaborating with Brian Eno in 1979 and 81 on the album My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, which attracted considerable acclaim. You've heard it? Yeah. Really love that album. Okay. His work, his work with, that he does, his work that he's done with the, with Brian Eno, like their t- My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, and uh, I think Every Day is a Miracle are also like really incredible albums. I'm gonna have to put those on my. No, list not Every Day is a like Miracle. But anyways, anyways, you'll let me know if you've heard that in a while. Uh, it attracted critical acclaim due to its early analog sampling and found sounds. Following this record, Byrne focused his attention on Talking Heads. My Life in the Bush of Ghosts was re-released for its 25th anniversary in early 2006 with new bonus tracks. In keeping with the spirit of the album, stems for two of the song's component tracks were released in the Creative Commons, and a remix contest was launched. Very cool. Ooh. Very wow. cool for of them. Um, in 1981, Byrne partnered with choreographer Twyla Tharp, scoring music that he wrote that appeared on the album The Catherine Wheel for a ballet of the same name, prominently featuring unusual rhythm and lyrics. Productions of the Catherine Wheel appeared on Broadway that same year. This man cannot be stopped. He is insane. Good for him. We love that for him. 
Uh, Byrne is also known for his activism in supported increasing use of cycling and having a bike as his main means of transportation throughout his life, especially in New York. In L.A., Byrne drives a Citroen DS, which is a French-ass fucking car. Uh, right. In New York, he does not drive. He says that this began as a cycling thing when he was in high school, and he returned to it as a, an adult in the 70s. He likes the freedom and exhilaration cycling gives him. He has written widely on cycling, including a 2009 book called Bicycle Diaries. In August of 2009, Byrne auctioned his Montague, I believe is how you say it, Montague maybe, folding bike, to raise money for the London Cycling Campaign. American Utopia's 2020 film, concert film directed and produced by Spike Lee from a screenplay by David Byrne. The film is a live recording of a Broadway performance of a modified version of the album of the same name, including several songs and contributions from throughout Byrne's career. Byrne performs, obviously, alongside musicians, all performing with wireless or portable equipment. Frequent collaborator Annie B. Parson serves as choreographer. She gets my Z on. The fact that she's not a household name is fucked up. Everyone remember the yeah. name Annie B. Parson. Love that for her. Mm-hmm. And then I said it already, but last but not least, the Eric Adams quote. For American Utopia, he calls it the right movie for 2020. Haha, maybe not so fast, Eric Adams. Maybe it's the right movie for 2021, actually. Uh, noting how Byrne uh. balances hope in a tumultuous world, world writing, the key to American Utopia's resonance isn't so much one of joy versus despair as it is connection versus isolation. I'll be giving a co-Mercedes Valuable Player to American Utopia. First, if I had to pick a favorite number from this, and it's really hard because they're all so good, but the one that always has stuck with me for the last two days and I just keep replaying over and over in my head is Everybody's Coming to My House. That number yeah. is thrilling. Yes. So yeah. fucking good. So that is my first Mercedes Valuable Player winner. But I also got to give my other co-Mercedes Valuable Player to Simplicity. We talked about it early on. It's kind of the thing that makes this thing so goddamn good in the first place. And this is an easy full recommend. One of the easiest full recommends I've ever given out on this show. Run, don't crawl, don't walk, take a jet, take a helicopter, (laughs) take whatever you can, the fastest thing in your life, get on a jet pack, yes, exactly, get your jet packs on, watch this as soon as you can. It's amazing. I I will be coming back to this countless times throughout my life. I can already feel it. Mason, what do you got? Uh, I just want to get something correct on the record here. The second Brian Eno album that David Byrne made, or the next album that he made with Brian Eno, was Everything That Happens Will Happen Today in 2008. 2008 was the year of Eno. Uh, You can say it. There's some great songs on that one. Just want to get that one clear. Okay, so um, last week on the show for the Mercedes Valuable Player, Noah had a graduation. We did a graduation style where you're going to have to clap and or snap. I got a lot of people that I need to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to, so I'm going to name some names, and we are going to snap and, and or clap after I name them. Just one snap, just one clap until we get to the end here. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, without further ado, Stefan, or Stephane San Juan, Daniel Friedman, Jacqueline Acevedo, Gustavo Didalva, Tim Kuyper, Mauro Rafosco, some of these I might be saying wrong, I apologize, uh, Bobby Wooten III, Angie Swan, Carl Mansfield, 
Tendai Kumba, Chris Giarmo, and David Byrne. Yes, last but not least, David Byrne. You got it right, folks. Those are all of the performers on stage for this here show, American Utopia. David Byrne stops the show at some point to inform the audience and make it clear that there is no playback, there is no nothing happening. It is just the people on stage making this full sound, this full um, uh, experience happening, no trickery. And it is so incredible that you are kind of, again, to the point of the show, it's about connection, it's about watching people, it's about being with people. You are just watching musicians, dancers, performers, at the top of their fucking game, just delivering the fucking goods every single goddamn second of this here show here. Um, if I wrote it down, I would have written down probably the lighting designer because I think the light, the lights in the show are just on another fucking level. The choreography, any person, any human being involved with American Utopia gets my Mercedes valuable player full recommend. Hi, scream it from the mountaintops. Put a goddamn flag on the top of Mount Everest that says uh, David Burns American Utopia 2020 <laughs> film a 2020 special on HBO Max whatever you want to do it um, an incredible work of human performance and expression full recommend Catfish can't can't praise this fucking thing enough I love it so much and last but not least Marissa H what have you got for us here bud Whew, Whew. yes yeah, yes to everything that y'all have said. It's impossible to pick a favorite number from this show, truly. I think as I'm looking at the track list, honestly, there's one that jumps out at me, and it's because it comes pretty late in the show. It's not, I don't even think it's like a necessarily a, a David Byrne hit, but it is probably the most the most simple song in the show the simplest and it is called i dance like this yeah and it is just and i i love it for so many reasons i love i mean i love the the choreography they're literally just like these music these dorky ass musicians who like granted another part of this 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 layered of why i love it so much is that a lot of you know musicians don't really get the chance to be sure. the yeah. face of yeah, a performance yeah. yeah and the fact that all of these people are totally on board with this performance aspect with being perceived as a person as a performer and a musician i just think is so courageous on their behalf so for them to just like be doing their groove whatever and then david burns like i'm working on my dancing like he's just so that's such a such a vulnerable moment and such a simple moment and i just love i love the little the the bass or the guitar whatever that is i'm obsessed with that's like a metal i guess it's like a metal motif or something but very, very, very uh, metal of them. And my Mercedes Valuable Player is going to the fabulous Chris Giarmo, who is one of the dance, one of the two dancers. And he also is, do, does all of the top harmonies uh, with David right. Byrne. He's, he's the, the ginger guy with the eye makeup. He's playing and a little just melodica think that he, at the end there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. Dancing in Melodica. He's just so multifaceted. I mean, is obviously his talent in dancing and his and his vocal abilities. I just think that he it really encapsulates the joy that this perform that this show is about. Um, yeah, he's. I mean, he's definitely the most expressive. Like you can tell that he is like 
the most like musical theater out of all of them just by the mm. way he like you know by the way he moves but it's just super effective and I think like god like he must be like peeing himself every night to be able to like sing with David Byrne like he is the sole harmony person for David Byrne for most of the show and he's sweaty and I love it I love it I love how he sweats so much like I just think it's so the sweat is cool so good that he's... The show. there's so much good sweat going yeah on. so much good sweat yeah do you recommend this? <laughs> oh my god! Yes, one thousand percent. High recommend. Put a put a flag on the moon. Put the flag on Mount Everest. Um, put the flag on Tristan da Cunha, which is the most isolated island on the planet. Oh, oh! Put it everywhere. It's it's great. Oh it's shit! A, it's a great, great. High recommend. Full recommend. Well, normally well, this would yeah. be the part of the show where we say. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. But I have one piece of business to take care of because you specifically are here, Marissa H. And I didn't tell Mason about yeah. this. This is a, sh- this is no. a surprise to Mason, too. Marissa H., I played the drop earlier, but I myself am having a I'm no Superman moment. So I'm going to play that drop one more time. I can't do this all on my own. No, I know. I'm, I'm no, no Superman. Superman. Cool. Last time you were on the show, we talked about Matinee by Joe Dante, and we talked about Judy Sill's self-titled album. And I said, <laughs> I said that I would give Judy Sill's self-titled album a conditional recommend. Why did I fucking say that on the show <laughs> a year and some change ago? Why did I say that? I don't know what the fuck was going through my head. Mason's getting so close to the fucking Zoom. <laughs> what was wrong with you? Yeah, what was wrong with that? me? I, I forgot that. I blocked that out of my head because it was so disturbing. It was so disturbing. So I am officially, officially changing that to a full recommend. <laughs> Had to do it. Wow. Had wow. to eat some crow. You were looking one. so long for a place to land that you almost forgot to give Judy Sill's self-titled album a full <laughs> recommend. Yes, bro. So yes, that I had to bro. had to take care of that little piece of business. It was I literally got off we got off that call and I was like, why the fuck did I give that a conditional recommend? That's such a good fucking <laughs> album. And you didn't you were nice enough to come on the show, even though you didn't pick either of those things, but I was like, if we're gonna talk about Judy Sill self-titled, we gotta have the Judy Silf stan herself to there to talk yes. about it. So thank you for indulging us and doing that with us last year and not bringing <laughs> anything onto the show. You are in a small group of people that that has ever been the case of on the show. And thank you for coming back and bringing two excellent choices with us this time. This is the reason you came on the show is to plug. So plug away. The floor is yours. Awesome. Well, thank you, Noe and Mace for having me. Yes. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. I'm obsessed with this show. Big fan, number one fan. My dad is a huge fan of the show too. Hell so. yes. Shout out Let's to, go. Shout out to David Ecker. Number father of the number one fan, which basically puts you guys at one A and one B in terms of fandom, I feel like. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, shameless plug. Uh, come see the office musical parody in New York City at the Jerry Orbach Theater. It is open ended. Um, whether or not I will be in the show forever is conditional, but <laughs> as of right now, I'm in the show. Let's go. I'm in the show. Definitely, you know, for the next month or so. So come out, support our little, our little skit. Um, 
what else? You can follow me on Instagram at mhecker, M-H-E-C-K-E-R, for more saucy content. And at Inside Marissa's Head for some visual art, a little bit of doodling here and there, a little bit of cartoons. Um, and check out my YouTube channel, BFA Problems, yes. for some original parodies, which <laughs> I am obsessed with i think i'm a little obsessed with myself in that regard but it's okay because we did we did good but yeah that's everything that i have to plug thank you noe and mace mm-hmm. you are so welcome thank you, marissa. thank you marissa h i'm gonna do some plugs now Yay! i want to do some Yay! plugs now everyone i want to do some plugs here we go <laughs> here we fucking go here we fucking go here we go you can send us an email everybody wants to the number two get on the list at gmail.com if it's good, we'll read it on the show. If it fucking sucks, never email us again. Sorry. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, just put how put it is. Put your fucking foot down on this one. Put your fucking I'm, foot down. On I'm one. putting my foot down on this one. If your email sucks, get out of town. Get out of town. Go to jail. You can follow the show also on social media at it's on the list pod on Twitter at it's on underscore the list on Instagram for updates and sillies. You can do, we Yay. can do both. Get you a podcast, Yay. you can do both. Updates mm-hmm. and sillies. You can follow me on all the socials. That's, you guys know about that, though. And you can follow my WordPress, where I post writing and stuff, too. And even though it's on hiatus right now, you can still listen to the entire back catalog of my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. Like I said every week, that it's on hiatus, and I'm doing this show still, I will plug an episode from the back catalog. And since she's here... You can listen to Marissa's two appearances on My Favorite Podcast. You can listen to episode 23, which I think was the first time you and I ever met face-to-face, maybe? Yes. Yes, it was. Yes, yes. it was. And I was scared <laughs> to was see scared. you. I was so scared. But you can listen to that episode. <laughs> we talk about Jens Lechman's album, Life Will See You Now. And then more recently, mm. episode 60, where we talk about the Weston Playhouse Theater in Weston, Vermont. Both episodes are good. Check it out, those two, and check out other episodes of that show. And I think, is that all my plugs? Yep, that's it. That's all my plugs. Mason, take us home. Folks, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hotdogdebicki, hotdog the food, debicki like Elizabeth debicki. You can find me on Letterboxd under my name. And you can find me um, digging a hole uh, in the boulevards of Chicago and sticking my head in it so I don't have to think about how I'm going to fill my days now that I have unemployed again. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, Or not. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting food at at the Golden Nugget Diner. Who can say? In any case, folks, um, we'll close. That's all I want to plug. Except for my other podcast, the Barna Podcast, about the shield, of course, as always. Um, But that's it for me. Uh, So we will end the show as we do by saying, tell someone you love them this week. Do something that you love this week. And we'll see you all next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. And this is the last regular episode of the year. We'll have some fun special episodes for you next week. Fun special episodes coming next week in to close out the year. And Thank that's you. it. <laughs> okay, that's actually it. Bye. Cool.
I'm not saying anything the rest of the show.